0: Welcome to this week's episode of the North Bible Church Podcast. Now, let's join our pastor as we open God's Word together. You know, I, uh, I noticed that this church is so normal of all the different churches that I've spoken at over the last 50 years. No one likes the front row. So I'm going to move a little closer you know, here. Matter of fact, Scottsdale Bible Church is, a, is amazing. People, just very few people except for my friends right over here. But even you are sort of close to the door so you can run, you know. But uh, I mean, one, one Sunday morning, I, I had these t-shirts made. I sat in the front row in church. And I only had to have 10 of them because there's only six people that would sit in the front row. So, you know, you, would everybody give each other permission it's OK. You're not a Pharisee or a Sadducee if you sit in the front row. It's just and, and the spit drops about maybe five feet. So they, they are safe. Don't be afraid of that. Well good morning. If you will, open your Bibles to First uh, John chapter 2. I want to continue this uh, discussion. I want to really close this short series on how do you know that you know? I mean, a lot of people we say we say we know stuff, but, but how do you know that you know? And, and, and I think the most important thing is this. The last thing you'd ever want to be guessing about is your relationship with God. How do you know that you know that you have one? I've always said the world divides into two kinds of people, the saints and the ain'ts. That's it. And, and a saint basically is somebody who means set apart by God. Those who, who finally owned up to the truth of their own sinfulness and need for forgiveness, and then they became children of God. I mean a heavenly father engaged in every detail of your life no longer creator creature like you're to be fearful you know or or indifferent to him but like God said in 2nd Corinthians 618 I'll be a father to you and you'll be sons and daughters to me those are the saints now the angels are those who rejected and they rejected the offer primarily because they don't want to own up to their sin because we don't want to own up that we need forgiveness. Well, how do you know? John's going to ask some really honest questions to the young believers here. John's an old man at this time. That's why I love this book. He's probably in his 80s, and he, he just doesn't care if you like him or not. He'll call you a liar. I mean, he'll just put it right out there. So he's not trying to run for an office here, but just splitting the truth right, right, right in the middle. And he's going to ask some questions here that, well, they're the kinds of questions we ought to be asking ourselves. He doesn't write this letter to, to create doubts And stir up some kind of confusion, but rather just the opposite. Remember in chapter 5, verse 13, he said, Now these things I've written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, in order that you might know that you have eternal life. Remember the word knows, not the word gnosko to learn, but the word oida means to intuitively, you can look at some evidence in your life, and you can with absolute confidence know that you know that you've got eternal life. Remember it was Jesus who defined what eternal life is. Not the fact you're going to live a long, long, long time, because everybody is. The soul doesn't die. But, but rather, it's where are you are going to live and what are you going to be doing? That's why in John 17, the first two verses, Jesus said, Lord, I come to give them eternal life. And now this is eternal life, that they may know you and the one whom you sent. You see, eternal life is a relationship. Don't ever, don't ever slip your relationship with your heavenly Father into some religion. Uh, one of the great religions of the world, Christianity, and you're a member? No, no, no. The problem is that if you stop having confidence that you've got a relationship with your Heavenly Father, it's like any relationship. If you really start wondering, do I really have? Is there a relationship? You know, he doesn't call me. doesn't write. I don't know if he got a friendship or not. You do one of two things. Either you get sick and tired of it and you walk. Or you just work harder to try to have that relationship. And that becomes legalism. That becomes religion. And God didn't want it that way. He said in John 1, 12, as many as believe in the Lord Jesus Christ to them, God gave the authority, the right, to be called the children of God. Remember Romans uh, 8, uh, 16. Don't you know the Spirit of God in you bears witness with your spirit of one thing. He reminds you, you are a child of God. You have the same thing, again, as uh, as Paul continues to say, as you're children of God. That's a relationship. Now, now, what John is doing here is he's summarizing chapter 2 of 1 John to give this assurance is he's giving three spiritual birthmarks. He's talking about the habits of a changed heart. Remember in Ezekiel 36, he said that that when the Messiah comes, two things are going to happen. When I own up that I really have a need that I turn my back Talk about the cosmic betrayal. My creator, I turn my back on him and pretend he doesn't have anything to say or that he has no existence at all. Come on, that's the betrayal. That's what the Bible calls sin. And we all have done it. Until finally we realize, I think there's someone there. And that someone there has something to say. And he says he loves you. And he wants to provide a way back even to your sin your betrayal you turn your back on him and that's the why jesus came to build that bridge to provide the opportunity that a holy just god could forgive us because the wage of sin is death people say why 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 does the wage of sin have to be death why can't it be something lighter you know in a social world with civic laws you know our city council basically establishes the consequences to breaking laws Uh, If it's 45 miles per hour going down that road, if you're going 85, well, then it's about $200. Don't ask me how I know that, but it's about $200. And and, and that's because the city council or the laws, or we voted, and the consequences. But there are some laws we don't vote on the consequences because they're inherent in the law. For example, law of gravity. You get on this building, jump off, which way are you going to go? I'm waiting for an answer. You're gonna go down. Well, what if you're really ticked at the city council and you think that's too harsh? Well, you can debate it all you want, but you're going down. Well, so it is that God says that cosmic betrayal of turning your back on your creator, that was a big deal. And within that, like the law of gravity, is if you're gonna turn your back on God, then basically God says, you're no longer gonna experience my, my presence in your life, my engagement in your life. But because God loves us, he wants that relationship and that's why jesus christ came that's why easter when god basically shows through the power of the resurrection that jesus his son was the one that sacrificed his life so that a holy god could provide forgiveness for us how why why would you want to walk away from something like that unless it's your own pride and arrogance and that's what makes you an eight versus a saint well as he's talking about these habits of a changed heart Remember, two things happened when Christ came. One, he, he provided for your forgiveness. You were cleansed. Remember when Jesus talked to uh, Nicodemus that night in John 3? And he says, how, how, how does one enter into the kingdom of God? Remember, Jesus said you got to be born again, which really bothered Nicodemus. You know, mom's not going to like that idea. How do you enter into the womb of your mother? And, and Jesus, I'm sure he thought, what an idiot. Come on, Nicodemus. You're, you're, you're a teacher of the Jews. You've got to be born of water and spirit. And he's talking about Ezekiel 36. you got to first have the forgiveness, the washing away of your sin. That's when you confess it and ask for forgiveness because of what Christ has done. But the second thing is something's dead in you. That is your, your, your spirit and relationship with God It's dead. How can you have a relationship with somebody who's dead even though they're forgiven? So that's why he says, and I will take your old heart, remember? and I'll put a new heart in you for my spirit. I mean, part of God, the Holy Spirit, he's going to put within us our soul and make our spirit alive, and how do you know he's alive in you? Well, that's the assurance. That's why he says, I write this, I want you to see the evidence that the spirit of God resides within your soul because there's things you think and feel you never did before. And these are these three spiritual birthmarks that he gives us in chapter 2. And we've taken each Sunday, I've had the privilege to be with you, to review each one. Remember the first one is that all of a sudden there's this desire to keep the commands of Christ. That, that, That is, God's put within us this desire to honor God as our Father. But remember I shared with you, we don't have a clue how to do it. So we have 30,000 different denominations. We got religions all over the place. Some people chop people's heads off and say that must please God too. And so we're guessing. And yet he basically says, no, 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 you don't don't guess at this. How, How do I know how to honor God as my father? I mean, like I told you last week, there's a guy. We know a guy. And this guy, through his whole life, honored God with everything he said, everything he did. And who's the guy? His initials are JC in other words that's why we're disciples of Jesus Christ that's why we follow Christ that's why when I look at the commands of Christ I the word there is keep terre'o. I don't blow them off I embrace them as friends because it's the only way I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ not the Father not the Holy Spirit but Jesus Christ because the more I'm like him the more I'll fulfill this heart desire to honor God as my father that's why I follow Christ And that's why I look at the commands of Christ now as friends. The very means on how I can learn to honor God as my father. First birthmark. That's either true of you or it's not. Second birthmark was that the spirit in me causes me to recognize something. I really didn't recognize that deeply before. And that is the worth of people. That they bear the image of God. They're worth Jesus Christ to the Father. They're the hottest thing in the universe outside of the Trinity. And all of a sudden, to have this recognition of the worth of people and caring about their well-being, the Bible calls that agape. That calls it a choice of love. And that was a second evidence of the Spirit of God within me. Either I have that, or I'm so absorbed and self-absorbed with myself, I don't even think about other people. Well, then be honest about it. But then the evidence that the Spirit of God's within you is, you can't say that. You do recognize the worth of others and you do care about the well-being of others. Well, this morning we come to the third and final of the three birthmarks and he picks it up in chapter 2, verse 18. Follow along. John says, children, it is the last hour and just as you've heard that Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have arisen. From this we know that it is the last hour hour now he begins here with children what is paideia it's a term of children in the sense of learners so he says you young innocent learners you got to discern what are you who are you learning from he says it is the last hour now you go the last hour come on that last hour's been two thousand years now that's a long last hour have you ever wondered, when is Jesus coming again? How come it's taken so long? I mean, when I, I, I read uh, in Paul, 1 Timothy 4.1, he talks about we live in the last days. Uh, uh, James says that Jesus Christ's coming's at hand. Peter, Peter says, basically, and we are now about to see all things come about in this period of time. So you kind of go, they, did they really believe that Christ was going to come in their lifetime? Absolutely. But how could they be so wrong? How, how come this, this last hour has taken 2,000 years and still isn't closed? Well, one thing is that, if you look at it closely, in that phrase, this is the last hour, the word the is not in the original text. See, if it was the, this is the last hour, well, then it means a certain amount of time. Soon. But he doesn't have the words called the anarthrous use of the Greek uh, uh, definite article. But his point is, it's not talking about a designated time, but a character of this period of time. And what he's saying is the character of this particular time is the next thing to happen is Jesus Christ is going to return. But meanwhile, this time is going to be filled with many what? Antichrist's. I thought when you think of Antichrist, it says many Antichrists, there's going to be a little demons, little horns running around, you know, sticking in your backside. No. Antichrist is what it says. Those who are anti-Jesus Christ. You see, this period of time is different than any period of time in history before it because we are filled with religions. And all those religions have one thing in common. They're anti-Jesus Christ. They've got every other thought, every other mind. And, and the proof that Jesus is like this lightning rod, I mean, just open your eyes. Ha, have you noticed that you can talk about the icons with anybody, pick anybody, any, any of your friends. And you can talk about Buddhism, and they'll talk to you. You can talk about Hinduism. They'll have a great conversation. You can talk about Islam, Baha'i, Scientology. You can talk about atheism, evolution, And nobody gets all weirded out. Bring up the name Jesus Christ. Have you ever? With a group, just bring up the name. Well, let's talk about who and what Jesus Christ did. Why do you think, we Christians, why do you have a class? Let's talk. Because we're so frightened. Think about it. Why are we so frightened? Because when we do, we get our head chopped off. We get people get uptight. People want to fight. You see, this, this world has convinced the world that Jesus is an enemy rather than a savior. Now, have you ever thought that to be a bit peculiar? That wasn't the way it was before Christ. He wasn't even really an issue. And you could talk about Messiah, I guess. But this era, this time, this last day period, is full of all this anti, everything is anti-Jesus and anti Christ why is that well he goes on verse 19 he says they went out from us but they were not really of us for if they had been of us they would have remained with us but they went out in order that it might be shown that they all are not of us now who, who, who are these folks I mean, how many times have I had people, Christians, ask me, can you lose your salvation? I mean, can, can I, I know this person, they prayed when we were in high school camp and, and now they're atheists and did they lose their salvation? Can I do something horrible uh, and lose my salvation? Let me ask you, how many of you parents who have children have unbirthed your children? So what you're really asking is, can God, after uh, uh, having his son die on the cross for me, placing his spirit within me, taking out my old heart, making me come alive, can he reverse all that and unbirth me? See, Jesus said in John 6:39, he says, All whom the Father gives me, I will not lose one. What do you think that means? I will not lose one. You look as we he says in John chapter 10, verse 27. Jesus says, and the Father, he, he brings all that he gives unto me. I lose none of them, but as they are in my hand, they're in my Father's hand of protection. Uh, Philippians 1, 6, he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Romans 8, 1, there is no condemnation for those who are what? In Christ. The famous promise of Romans 8 28, God works all things together for good. If you can get unbirthed and lose your salvation, that verse is a lie. Because God promises He can work all things together for good to those who love God, called according to His purpose. But if I can do some stupid thing and He goes, Oy vey, you know, I can't work that out for good, you're unbirthed. It makes no sense. In Romans, he ends Romans chapter 8, verses 38-39. Nothing can separate you from the love of God in Jesus Christ. No sword, nor famine, nor people, not even yourself. Oh, then, then who are these guys who have left? Well, it was Jesus himself in John 15, verse 5 to 8, when he said, The true believer will abide, means remain. Doesn't get unbirthed. So if somebody does walk away, guess what that means, beloved? They were never saved in the first place. There's Something Jesus says that frightens me as a pastor is because Jesus is talking about the church. He said, uh, they, they planted wheat, and in the middle of the night, the evil one came and planted tares. Now, young tare, young wheat can't tell the difference. They look the same. Until they fully mature and the tare, heads of the tare plants turn black. And you've heard about the separation of wheat and the tares. He's talking about the church. That anybody, most people, sometimes people hear the gospel and what they hear is this. This is a contract. And you signed a contract by praying a prayer. That's not the gospel. The gospel is a covenant to God expressed with a confession of faith. And so, some people think, well, I got my little fire insurance, I prayed a prayer when I was whatever. Hey, what you're going to learn is that this third birthmark makes it impossible for you to walk away from Christ. And if you walk away from Christ, it just proves you don't have this third birthmark. So what is the third birthmark? Glad you asked. Verse 20, read on. But you have an anointing, Spirit of God, did something within you, your soul, and he says, you have this anointing from the Holy One, and you know all. (laughs) You all know. Know what? I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie is of the truth. Well, great. Spirit of God did something within me from the Father, the Holy One, So that I know. (laughs) What? Well, you know the truth. The truth about what? Read on. Who's the liar? That's why you know he's in his 80s. That's the way we talk. Holly, like I said, is afraid I'm going to live into my 80s because I'll just spit on people. So she's hoping I'm out of here off the planet around 79, 80. Uh, But anyway, that's a whole, that's more personal. She says there, Who is the liar but the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ. This is the Antichrist. This is the one who denies the Father and the Son. For whoever denies the Son doesn't have the Father. The one who confesses the Son has the Father also. And as for you, let that abide in you which you've heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. So what's he talking about? This is what keeps you from being able to walk away from Christ. And by the way, the good news is that, does that mean you're not going to sin, you're not going to do stupid things, you're not going to maybe blaspheme or whatever? No. But here's the good news. In in, in Hebrews chapter 12, it says that God disciplines, verses 5 and 6, that God disciplines those whom he loves, and he scourges every son whom he receives. Yeah, that's the word, scourges. Now you say, how bad could that be? Because this is called discipline, like a father would discipline a son or a daughter. Well, in 1 Corinthians 11, Paul's talking about communion to a church in Corinth that's pretty messed up. They were having these big buffet meals and said, by the way, while we're eating, let's do a little communion here. And Paul goes, time out, time out. That's not the purpose of communion. And that's when he's explaining communion, and he tells them this. He says, because you mess around with communion, some of you are sick, and some of you sleep. Now, when Paul uses the word sleep, what what does he mean? Dead. So here's the great news. Don't ever worry about losing. If you're a child of God, don't worry about losing your salvation. He'll kill you before you lose your salvation. All right? So it's kind of like what Jesus told to Peter. Don't worry, Peter, you're not going to screw up because they're going to take you and you're going to die. Now, I know this sounds a little weird, but down in your soul, stop thinking that God's going to unbirth you. Remember I told you, if you're insecure in a relationship, you either walk or turn legalism and work so hard to preserve that which God has freely given you. He wants a relationship, not a religion. So so what is going on? What is this third birthmark? He says, but you, contrasting you with them, you have this anointing from the Holy One and you know the truth. What truth he says about Jesus? See, what are you talking about? Well, come on. What is the gospel? What is the truth about Jesus? He's the Christ. He's God the Son. So you're telling me, let me get this right. This little guy, he's about five foot seven, Jewish rabbi. He lived about 2,000 years ago, and he's God in a bod. He created the heavens and the earth, and then Rome executed him, but that execution was God the Father sacrificing him for the sins of the world. And, and, And if you believe that and confess your sin, then his execution wipes away your sins in the sight of God. And God raises them up from the dead to prove that God accepts the sacrifice. That's got to be the most unbelievable story ever told. What I don't understand is how come I know that's exactly the truth. Makes no sense to me. Now I've studied the evidence for the resurrection and evidence for the existence of Messiah, Jesus, and all the pro- I've studied all that, but down deep, I believed before I studied all that. So what, what may, well here's the point. Do you think he figured Jesus out? I know brilliant people who do not believe in Jesus Christ, and I know brilliant people who do. I know num-nums who do not believe in Jesus Christ, and I know num-nums who do. I know children don't, children do. So it's not an issue of math. It doesn't seem to be an issue of IQ. Then what is it an issue? This is the mystery of the heart, but I know Jesus, he's the first one to tell you that who I am, No way you're going to be able to believe. It's too wild of a story. That's what he says in John chapter 6, verse 44. First phrase comes right out. No man comes unto me. Jesus admits, no one's going to come to me. No one's going to believe the truth about who I am and what I've come to do. But what does the rest of the verse say? No one comes unto me unless the Father, the Holy One, the Father draws him. Well, what is that, hocus pocus? What's that about? Next verse, John 6, 45. And it says, For the prophets say the Father himself in heaven will cause them to learn to recognize who his Son is. Think about it for a moment. God the Father was personally engaged In whatever, whether your heart was open, whatever that mystery is, but God knew that he engaged and he, when you heard the gospel, Ephesians 1.13, you heard the gospel, you believed, you were sealed with the Spirit. So you heard the gospel, but then it says you believed. You didn't do that on your own. Apparently your heart was open to truth. But the Father himself caused you to recognize that this remarkable story that's impossible to believe was the absolute truth and you believed and believe is that you trusted what you believed and you were born again you became a child of God now the interesting thing with this is do you remember um, remember in Matthew 16 Jesus is with his disciples and you see an example of this Uh, and Jesus says um, who do men say I am well some say you're Jeremiah some say you're Elijah And then Jesus beads on Peter. Peter, who do you say I am? And Peter goes, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. (laughs) And you know he's feeling really good about that. Where's my gold star, you know, in Sunday school? And Jesus just rips him by saying, Flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven. Just like Jesus said it would work. Peter didn't recognize who Jesus was until the Father in heaven caused him to make that declaration. Now, apparently Peter's riding high. (laughs) Because what does he do next? Jesus talks about, and for that reason I've come to be the Christ, the Messiah, the suffering servant that Isaiah spoke of, to come and be sacrificed, to pay the penalty so a holy just God can bring judgment, his holy wrath, but it will be upon me in your place. And what does Peter say? Well, Peter says, you know, I'm one for one so far. Boom! That won't happen, Jesus. You have people like me. You don't have to go to the cross. And what did Jesus do? He looked right at Peter. And what did he do? Did he just call him, you little devil? That's not what Peter did. That's not what Jesus did. What did Jesus do? He looked right in the eyes of Peter and said, Get ye behind me, Satan. Boy, in other words, that little gold star ripped right off. But what an illustration of the very fact that this wasn't an IQ test. It wasn't that Peter was smarter than the other guys. The point is, you cannot de-recognize the truth about Jesus. You recognize who he is and what he did. He's the Christ, the Son of God. And the remarkable thing is the fact that he's the Christ. He's the Son of God. God in the body, are, are, are you really sure? Well, what did John say in John 1.1? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And just to make sure you understand, He was God, is that all things, verse 2 and 3, all things came into being through Him. And without Him, nothing's come into being. If you're going to run around and say you're a little God, fine. Just show me a little universe you created. Because Deity creates. No, but he's the son. His son's got to be less than divine, less than God the Father. Right. I have two sons. John's 49, Kent's 47. I'm the father, they're my sons. So it's very clear they're less human than I am. No, we're not talking about essence. They're human, I'm human. God's divine, son's divine. They're talking about relationship. In relationship, they're son, I'm father, father, son. In relationship, Within the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, relationship is Father-Son. In essence, they both created the heavens and the earth. Well, are you sure? Well, John 1, 14, and the Word became, what? Christmas. The Word became flesh. Dwell among us, verse 18, and we beheld the glory of the only begotten God. In human form. I mean, you got later on in John chapter five, verses eighteen to twenty-three. Jesus is talking to the Pharisees there, and they're talking about our Father Abraham. Jesus says, "Before Abraham was, I am." And Abraham called me Lord, and they got it because they picked up the rocks and they were going to kill him right there. And when Jesus is praying in John seventeen five, he says, "Lord, would you return to me the glory I had with you before the world?" was Colossians 1 15 Paul says who's the visible image of invisible God the Son Colossians 2 9 it's the Son who is the fullness of deity dwelling in bodily form you, you know our, our Jewish friends our Islamic friends will say we blaspheme when we worship Jesus Christ well let me read something to you out of Hebrews here's how Hebrews begins God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions, many ways, Old Testament, God spoke in many different ways. But in these last days, He spoke to us in his Son. Now, what right did the Son have to speak for God? He tells you. Whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. And he, the Son, is the radiance of his glory, the exact representation of his nature. He upholds all things by the word of his power. When he made purification of sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Yeah, but if you worship Jesus, that's blasphemy because you only worship God. Well, if we're in trouble, folks, the angels of heaven are as well. Because in verse 6 it says, and when he again brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all the angels of God worship him. So God commands all the angels to worship the Son. We worship the Son. If we're going to go to hell for that, well then all the angels are as well. And then you got in verse 9. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore God, thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above all thy companions. This is God the Father calling the Son what? Come on, what does it say? Ah, you shy i'll read it again therefore god thy god has anointed thee who is calling the son god there god the father and so even though the scriptures all over the scriptures that jesus christ is our lord that's why john ends his uh his gospel by saying i write these things that you might believe that jesus is the christ and he is your lord He's your savior, he's the Christ, God's provision for your forgiveness. He's your Lord because he's God the son. And all of that, I didn't have to teach you. I just showed you it was in the scripture. But I was just showing you what you already believed because someone else caused you to believe the truth about his son. And you cannot unbelieve because it's the father himself that caused you to recognize. But sometimes people say, well, you know, are not all roads lead to God. I mean, do not all religions end up the same place? Holly and I now moved into the old folks' home. We're at Westminster. Average age is 90. Out here, I'm old. There, I'm a puppy. But it's interesting, all kinds of faiths, all kinds of backgrounds. And the average age is 90. Sweet people. And I'm caring for them. And they've got short windows left. We lost 40 last year, and I think it's my last church. Kind of a dying church, but it's my last church. But you know, I care for these people, those who love the Lord and those who don't. And when they talk about, well, there's all ways and all religions lead to God. It's like a big tree and there's one tree and all the branches lead to God. You want to know something? I wish that was true. I have no problem with that. I wish that was true. I have family who's going up other branches instead of a faith in what Jesus Christ did on the cross for them. The only trouble is, what Jesus said. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son. He gave one provision. And in John three, uh, people don't, they read John three sixteen, but did they ever get down to John three thirty six? Because in the same conversation, then Jesus says this. And John 3, 36, he who believes in the Son has eternal life. But he who does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God still abides on him. There's been no provision for forgiveness. If somebody rejects God's offer for forgiveness, then they're going to have to find forgiveness some other way. And according to Jesus, there is no other way. John fourteen six. What did Jesus say? I am the way, the truth, and the life. What's the next phrase? No one comes unto the Father but through me. I didn't say that, folks. He did. Peter. Peter's sharing the gospel in Acts chapter 4, verse 12. Peter comes right out and says, There is no other name given under heaven by which one can be delivered from their sins. Save. Now, so what's the criticism? That is so intolerant. Boy, we are so intolerant when we say Jesus is the only provision the Father has made for forgiveness of sin. But here's my my question. Am I intolerant because I'm faithful to believe what Jesus said? Here, I'll put it this way. Holly and I have been married 52 years. And I've been faithful to Holly. I've been faithful to Holly for my whole life. Boy, have I been intolerant to other women. (laughs) In other words, is my fidelity, my faithfulness to my wife evidence how intolerant of a person I am because there's so many women and such little time? It's just as ridiculous. It's not that you're intolerant, that you're prejudiced. I wish it was some other way. But Jesus, I'm just faithful to what he said as I'm faithful to my wife. That's not, that's not intolerance. Well, to bring this thing to, to an end, it, it comes down to this. John says, I've written this letter. So that you might know that you know, that you know, that you have a relationship a relationship with the Heavenly Father. Who are you? The world labels you Christian. And that's okay. Call yourself a Christian. That's the world's label. For us, you're a child, you're a son, a daughter, with a Heavenly Father who's engaged with every detail of your life and loves you. And how do you know that you're part of His family? He placed, not after your forgiveness, He placed part of Himself, His Spirit, the Holy Spirit within you, made you come alive in your spirit so that there's three spiritual birthmarks. The first is, I can't explain, but I have this deep desire to honor God as my father. And the commands of Christ are precious to me because they're going to show me how. Number two, I can't explain it, but I recognize the worth of others. When I'm driving down Scottsdale and the guy's with the little card begging for money. I don't always give them money, hardly do, but when I'm stopped at the signal, I will turn my head and I'll acknowledge them because they bear the image of God, even if they've forgotten it. And I will greet them. Now, some would say I'm defrauding them, and they're going, but I will at least acknowledge them because within me, every human being bears the image of God, and I care about their well-being. I'll pray for that, guys, as I leave. Birthmark number three. I didn't figure Jesus out. But I have no doubt that He is the Christ, God's provision for the forgiveness of my sin, and that He's my Lord. He's God the Son, the Creator of the universe and of me. And as a child of God with the clear evidence of the three birthmarks, I don't have to try to work hard to be a good Christian or a good person. God will discipline me, and He does. I just hope I get to confessing my sin before I have to be disciplined for it. That's why Bill Bright called 1 John 1, 9 spiritual breathing. We're the few people who acknowledge our sinfulness. We're not here trying to prove we're better than anybody else, which is the driving force of most everybody else. I'm not better than you. As even Paul said, he said he's the chief of what? Chiefs of sinners. We're sinners. Relax. Because God's provided for our forgiveness and we have an advocate. And that's what we keep going on to him. So, what spiritual birthmarks? A new look at the commands of Christ, a new appreciation for others, and a new recognition of the truth of who Jesus actually is. Therefore, beloved, walk worthy. Walk worthy of who you are. A princess. A prince of the kingdom. Why is... Why is Jesus waiting so long? If you were going to give your son a gift, and the gift you were going to give him is a kingdom, would you want that kingdom filled with people who ignore and hate your son? Or would you want to fill that kingdom with people who are devoted to your son? Daniel chapter 7 Daniel gets this vision. It wasn't a bad pizza. He gets this vision, and he sees the Ancient of Days. It's in the context of judgment. Most of us would be wetting our tunics, and yet it says, one like the Son of Man appears, and the Ancient of Days gives him a dominion, a kingdom, forever and ever. And then later in the chapter it says, and he fills it with the saints of heaven. What has God been doing for 2,000 years? I'm glad he waited at least long enough that I get to be a part of this thing. What did Jesus mean when they asked him, "Lord, when are you going to return? When is the kingdom coming?" And Jesus says, "No one knows the time or the hour." And then Jesus says, "Not even the Son of Man knows." And you go, "Our theologians go crazy with that, right, Larry? How can he not know he's God? I don't know. Can the Father still want to surprise the Son? Because you don't want to know when Jesus Christ returns. It's when the Father is done populating the gift with those who love and believe in his Son, the King. And when that full, in the Father's eyes, is populated, that gift, then he'll turn to the Son, give him dominion, and Christ will bring his kingdom on earth as it is already in heaven. And that's when Christ returns. And that's going to happen actually in three weeks and four. No, we have no idea. And either I'm going to see him or he's going to come and see me. But either way, that's our hope. And I get to come back November 27th and talk to you about, or is it 23rd? 27th. Thank you, 27th, to talk about hope. So I'll be looking forward to that. I hope, if anything else, be assured of your relationship with God. Don't walk away from it because you're frustrated. And don't try to work harder and become legalistic. Just be a son, a daughter, the heavenly father and what drives you every morning You just want to honor your father and Jesus shows you how so we follow him does that make sense beloved or do we need to do this all over again (laughs) heavenly father thank you so much for these dear folks and even though they don't want to sit in the front row that's okay lord i would pray that you would bless them courage their spirit may their spirit within their soul just realize this is truth I'm a child of God. I'm a, a daughter with Heavenly Father. I'm a, a son with Heavenly Father. And Lord, you're engaged as any father would be engaged with his kids. And no wonder you will make good out of the messes we create for ourselves, or the messes people create for us. You will always with your infinite mind pull good out of it because we're your children who love you and call it according to your purpose. And so Father, may our walk be a walk that is worthy before you. WE ASK IN THE NAME OF JESUS CHRIST AND GOD'S PEOPLE SAID. AMEN, GOD BLESS YOU. THANK YOU FOR JOINING US FOR THIS WEEK'S MESSAGE. NORTH BIBLE CHURCH IS LOCATED IN SCOTTSDALE, ARIZONA AND EXISTS TO EQUIP ALL GENERATIONS TO LOVE GOD, LOVE ONE ANOTHER, AND LOVE THE WORLD. FOR MORE INFORMATION ABOUT NORTH, please visit our website at northbiblechurch.com.